Live and local, this is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. A great good afternoon to you and yours. We have flipped the calendar to the month of June. Today, Thursday, June 1st, the year 2023. The Women's College World Series got underway. Tonight starts game one of the NBA Finals. And tomorrow, college baseball tournament play gets underway. We'll talk about all of these things and much, much more coming up shortly as my main man in the producer's chair, James Mesh, inside the Evco Development Studios. Evco Development is a civil construction company that specializes in multi family construction. It's on the campus of Delta Media, which is where you'll find KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on KLCJ 1041 in Lake Charles, streaming all over the world. 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you happen to be in the Acadiana area, uh, you can turn your television set on because uh, we are simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. Well, uh, the Cajuns, the Colonels, and the Tigers, all in the NCAA tournament. Colonels on the road, Cajuns on the road, LSU hosting. A lot of LSU fans like, oh, man. Two o'clock start. I wonder how rabid Alec Box Stadium is going to be on a Friday afternoon. How many are going to be calling in sick or taking taking a day off to enjoy the festivities? We shall see. Tulane didn't make it to LSU's regional by accident. They got hot at the right time. They earned their way. They defeated a good Houston team twice. They run-ruled Memphis and then beat a powerhouse year in and year out, East Carolina, 8-6 to six in their conference championship game. I'm from New Orleans. I was recruited by Tulane. I understand what it means to them. They always feel like they're the forgotten stepchild when it comes to LSU, and it makes their century if they beat LSU in anything. And deservedly so. So uh, we'll talk a lot about this regional coming up with Matthew Bruni here shortly. Uh, I believe the most of the four teams, of the three teams outside of LSU in this regional, team I'm concerned about is Sam Houston. The Bearcats won four consecutive elimination games in the WAC tournament. They're one of the hottest teams in the tournament. They can hit the baseball. Oregon State, well, they won 17 of their last 24 conference games, and they've always been a tough out for LSU. The two teams have met seven times since 2012. LSU has a 4-3 to 
advantage. The last time LSU and Oregon State met was at 2018 at the Corvallis Regional, and Oregon State won both games. Still don't know who's going to pitch, and that's Jake Johnson's call. That's his right. He he doesn't have to make any announcement, although with <laughs> with uh, gambling so prevalent in now college athletics, up front, out there in the open, I wonder how soon the NCAA and the SEC and all these other re- tournaments and all these other conferences are going to say, you got to let everybody know who your starting pitching is the day before the game. That's coming. That is coming. But as of right now, it's not necessary. And Jake Johnson can hold his cards close to the vest. It will tell you something about his feelings about Tulane as to what direction he goes on the pitching mound. We'll talk and discuss all of that. The Saints um, with another OTA under their belt. We'll talk with Chris Rosevaglu about that. What positions still need shoring up? I still believe another wide receiver would help, would really, really help. So we'll talk to Chris about that. It seems, according to those that are there in Destin, the move to a nine-game schedule in the SEC is Fading fast. The long-awaited vote on moving to a nine-game schedule in 2024 with the addition of Texas and Oklahoma in all likelihood will be postponed for at least one season, maybe two. Now, SEC athletic directors are expected to vote today on the proposed change. But as of yesterday, only five schools had publicly committed to the nine-game schedule, LSU. Texas A&M, Georgia, Florida, and Missouri. There are four schools that prefer eight games, Vanderbilt, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and Kentucky. And there are five schools that are undecided or will vote status quo, Alabama, South Carolina, Tennessee, Auburn, and Arkansas. When asked if the athletic directors would vote Thursday, SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey said, uh, we'll see. Stay tuned. When asked again if there would be a vote by the end of the spring meetings here on Friday, Sankey repeated, we'll see. Um, So these have been a sticky topic of conversation for nearly two years. And it doesn't seem to be doing anything to get settled at this point in time. Alabama, the hypocritical uh, Crimson Tide, uh, I've always proposed to go to move to a nine-game schedule until they found out that Auburn, LSU, and Tennessee would be their three permanent teams, and now that narrative has changed. I do agree that the SEC needs more information from the College Football Playoff Management Committee before making any decision on an eight- or nine-game schedule, but I've got to believe They've gotten the feedback on that. How will the playoff committee value a nine-game schedule? Well, strength of schedule would seem to me to be the way to go, and it would be a very easy thing to do. Um, And I think everyone has gotten um, the information along those lines, and we shall see. I still believe in um, that this is going to come about sooner 
then later. And um, the time will tell. Time always tells. So we shall see. Um, ESPN named LSU Florida State among the most anticipated September games in this calendar year. Uh, the Tigers and Knowles meet in Orlando on Sunday night of week one, the rematch of last year's classic that saw Florida State win on a blocked extra point with no time remaining in regulation. Unbelievable. I'll never forget that game as long as I live. So get your popcorn ready uh, for that one. In women's college softball, the World Series is underway One game already in the books in a battle of SEC powers. Tennessee outlasted Alabama 10-5. to Other games coming up. Stanford, the nine seed against number one seeded Oklahoma, who set a World Series, a women's softball record for most consecutive wins. I I don't know who, who in the world is going to beat Oklahoma. They are ridiculously good. I think they've got one loss all season long. Uh, The other matchups, Oklahoma State versus Florida State and Utah versus the team that ended the Raging Cajuns softball run, Washington. That gets underway. It's game one of the NBA Finals tonight. Denver versus Miami. So many matchups. Who's going to guard Yoke, the Joker? Who's going to guard Jimmy Butler. We'll find out tonight. Game one, uh, 7.30 p.m. in Denver. The altitude certainly, certainly a factor. There's no question about that. Um, So we'll see how Miami handles it as compared to the other teams that have seemed to have um, difficulty with it. I've been there. I've seen teams falter in it, and um, it definitely is a factor. Brad Stevens, who runs the show for the Boston Celtics, says, despite what happened in the playoffs, Joe Mazzula will return as the coach of the Boston Celtics. So there you have it. Um, We'll delve into we're going to treat we're going to treat half of this program like it's Friday show. Since tomorrow LSU plays at 2 o'clock against Tulane, we'll have the game for you here on 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. So uh, hour number two of the program, we'll meet with uh, visit with George Faust from KLFY Sports. We'll talk about the Cajuns in the Coral Gables Regional as they take on the Texas Longhorns tomorrow at 1 o'clock. And then George Becknell, James Mesh, and I will have our NBA Finals picks. We'll talk about the regionals that the Tigers and the Cajuns are in, make our picks for that, and various and sundry other things as well. So, kind of a fun-filled half edition of a Friday, but it's always going to be fun. Matthew Bruni coming up, Chris Roseverglue, George Faust, George Becknell, James Mesh, yours truly, from 2 till 4. So let's take our first time out of the day. We'll talk Baton Rouge Regional with Matthew Bruni next.
This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Uh, the defending World Series champs are warming up. You can see them live and in person. The game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with another Astros weekend getaway. Houston takes on the Cincinnati Reds Saturday, June 17th. You can be there. Register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros Weekend Getaways are booked, powered by Bookshire AC, Le Meridian Houston Downtown, and the Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Every day is a Chamber of Commerce kind of day when you're listening to the Jordy Holberg Show. This is the Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. Right, we're back and better than ever here as we get this uh, Thursday, June 1st edition underway. And we begin with our leadoff hitter, Matthew Bruni, who covers LSU for Bengal Tiger on three. And he does a whole bunch of other stuff. Podcasts, he's here, he's there, he's everywhere. Matthew, what's happening, buddy? How are you? Hey, Jordy. Um, I'm doing well, staying busy. Um, got a little bachelor party weekend for my brother this weekend, so uh, I'm trying to get everything done uh, ahead of that. Oh, very good. Um, sweltering out there at the box, I would think, as teams got their practices underway today and you got to listen to Jake Johnson and some of the Tigers talk a little bit. What did you come away with after listening to them? Yeah, I, I, I've continue to kind of uh i think it's interesting um them kind of laying out how they're approaching this off season or uh, not off season, postseason NCAA tournament yeah. run uh because there is so much underlying pressure but there's been pressure on them all year you know it's right. nothing new we um we've talked to i mean trey morgan gavin dugas earlier this week i think did a really good job encapsulating kind of where they're at as a team and if there's one thing about this team, it's just over the entire year, it's never felt like they got too high. You know, they, they might have lost some games, but it wasn't because they thought they were better than what they were. Or they lost focus. I just think they kind of ran out of arms to an extent. So, you know, at this point in the year, it's just about finding a way to win games and finding a way to advance. And I think that they are still very much capable of making a run at this thing. Still, they don't have to uh, make an announcement as far as a picture is concerned yet. I do believe that's coming down the road with the popularity of uh, sports gambling now. I think they're going to yeah. NCAA is going to make a rule where you have to announce who your starting picture is so people can make their bets. I mean, that's coming, Matthew, right? Yeah, I, I, I mean, obviously in uh, NBA, you have to have the lineups in an hour ahead of, or starting lineups in an hour ahead of time, and then before that, they even have an injury report. NFL, same thing. It's all standardized. So um, the college game is kind of catching up to that. Um, you know, the, the regulations in the college game are just so far behind. Um, but you're right. I mean, from a gambling perspective, people want to know who they're betting on, and you can't bet on an LSU game until you know if Paul Skeen is his pitching or not, really. Yeah, I mean, Paul Skeen's proved he's human after his last outing in the SEC tournament. I'd rather that happen there than in an NCAA regional. And I guess we'll figure out what Jake Johnson believes or thinks 
about his team and about Tulane by who he announces as his starting pitcher. Yeah, that's been um, the discussion with LSU fans over the past couple of days since the bracket came out was, who do you start against Tulane? And um, I, pretty much everybody is hopeful that he does not start Paul Skeens because they believe they, they can take care of Tulane without him. But I don't – I just <laughs> – the more you talk to Jay Johnson, the more, you know, obviously everybody knows him at this point, the second you're here, it feels like he really does just try to win the game individually. Um, and it'd be hard for me to, like, I, I think there's a chance he doesn't start Paul Skeens for sure. But at the same time, I wouldn't surprise me at all if he says, we have to win the first game. We have to win the first game. There can't be any questions. We can't dig into our bullpen for you know, how many innings, how many pitches. We have to win the first game. We get through that clean. I mean, we've seen several weekends this this season where they win the Paul Skeens game and then Ty Floyd pitches well and they only have to use one or two uh, arms in the back end to get the job done in game two. And if you do that, I mean, you're obviously in a really good position if you win the first two games of regional. Yeah, you're right. I uh... I don't think he'll start Skeens, but I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe he starts a Ty Floyd. Maybe he mm-hmm. goes with a Thatcher Hurt. I don't know. I mean, that's his call. He knows his team far, far uh, better than I do. But, you know, pressure is, is, is a thing that uh, is very prevalent. It exists. And they can talk about it. They can say no, yeah. this, that, and the other. But I guarantee you they're feeling it. Uh, now it's a question. Of can, can they just settle in and go? Tommy White, he's good to go, I hope. Yeah, yeah, uh, that was that was a whole <laughs> interesting storyline of last weekend was how not only that Tommy White didn't play, but how um, um, elusive I guess Jay Johnson was of answering it. He just said he didn't. He's not playing. Didn't give any reason. Didn't give any backstory. Anything like that. Just said oh. he needed a break, which um, you know obviously is is is, a, is an answer. But I, Tommy White, he expects to be fine. He'll be playing this weekend, and uh, yeah, everything to go. I'm not. I, I'm not trying to speculate, but it sure sounds to me like a team rule was broken or something because I've never heard of a kid, a baseball player, needing a break and not even dressing out. I, I just don't. In a tournament game, I, I just I'm not buying that, Matthew. I'm just not. Yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe maybe broke curfew by 15 minutes and like, well, yeah. it's the SEC tournament. You gotta keep him on a right. string. That's right. Um, which team do you feel presents the biggest challenge for LSU to get out of this one and host a super regional? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people say Oregon State uh, because of their bat. Um, now, to be fair, they've been decent on the mound as well. I think they were third in the Pac-12 in ERA. Um, I think they were third in hits allowed per nine innings. And uh, at the plate, they're particularly interesting because they're I think they finished fifth in the country in walks per game. So we're talking about a patient offense and um, some veterans on the mound for the most part. So, yeah, they, they didn't have any all-pack 12 selections at pitcher, but um, at the play you have a couple of infielders that were all-pack 12. Um, and I think that that sets up to where it's an Oregon State team that has the bats that can keep pace with LSU for a bit um, and obviously could take advantage of LSU's bullpen if they get to that point. Why do I keep thinking Sam Houston's is, is going to be a tough out in this thing? Yeah. Um, yeah. I almost went to Sam Houston. Fun fact. That was, 
the other school I was going to go to. But, uh, yeah, very good uh, baseball program over there. I know that much. Um, a couple of all uh, – a good amount of all WAC team selections. Um, first baseman, outfielder, and a third baseman, all of them are all WAC first team guys. Um, Tyler Davis, their senior – 432 batting average. Um, they have a really balanced lineup, uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how how they kind of work that. But I, it's kind of a similar thing. Whenever you get into these tournaments, kind of similar to the basketball tournament, is you understand how good they are. They came in second in the WAC um, and then won the tournament to make it to, to this point. But at the same time, you don't fully know how good they are compared to an Oregon State. So that's what we'll find out pretty pretty quickly. We'll find out. Oh, by the way, a little tidy uh, of some business. Uh, Paul Skeens was named the 2023 National Player of the Year by Collegiate Baseball Newspaper. He's the third Tiger to receive that award, joining right-hander Ben McDonald in 1989 and right-hander Lloyd Peaver in 1992. So congratulations to him on that. And three Tigers uh, were named to the Collegiate Baseball First Team All-American Team. Not only was it Paul Skeens, but uh, Dylan Cruz and Tommy White. So, so uh, they've got the star power. There is no question about that. Um, it's just a question, like we said all year long. Defense has to tighten up because it got a little bit away from that, right? And then mm-hmm. bullpen's got to step up. But I thought the bullpen in the SEC tournament looked pretty darn good. Um, yeah, the two I, lefties. Yeah, I mean, I thought they looked good. Yeah, I mean, um, they, they definitely have started to. It's funny, obviously, watching the games, and that's obviously a storyline. So every time the bullpen steps up and finishes it out, everyone's like, oh, all right, all right, they, they got it done there. Um, but I, I just think from a perspective of knowing what they can and can't do, I think Jay Johnson is very much aware. I think he um, goes into these games clearly trying not to push these guys to be like, all right, we need to get six outs from this guy or five outs. From, you know, right. you take it as it right. comes and you don't want to push them. But, um, I mean, from Cooper to Ackenhauser to, I mean, Gidry, I mean, they they have guys. It's just about Jay, it's Jay Johnson's job, obviously, to figure out which pieces need to go in at the right time, which situations are built for the right uh, arm, and so on and so forth. So, yeah, that's going to be uh, – it's a chess match, as we know. Yeah, and uh, I, it, the old skeptic in me—I have a little bit of skepticism. I, you know, uh, you, you play when the NCAA tells you to play. You got to play at two o'clock in the afternoon against a team that that wants to beat you so badly in uh, anything. It, it makes their year. It makes their decade in Tulane. I, I don't expect a packed house on two o'clock on a Friday unless people just skip work. Uh, those kind of things, kind of play into this as well so so we'll see how lsu handles it yeah i i obviously the two-lane game is interesting uh just because of the two-lane whole situation there but uh making it at 19 and 40 uh i just i, I it's going to be we'll be able to tell pretty quickly um if lsu is just going to put them away and hammer them or, or not um and obviously we'll see who they pitch which is as we mentioned earlier, that is the uh, decider because if they pitch Paul Skeens, that we can you know, wrap that game up in about two hours. Um, if not, then there's a there's a sliver of hope there, or a sliver of a chance there where LSU gets in a uh, a game with Tulane, which would uh, obviously not be good for uh, LSU fans. 
Yeah. Um, you want a guy that throws strikes if you play Oregon State, as you mentioned. They draw a lot yeah. of walks, so I don't know if LSU staff is ready for that. That's why I think maybe – but who knows? Who knows? We'll find yeah. out sooner or later. You're going to have to pick Skeens eventually. You're going to have to pick Floyd eventually. You're going to have to pick Hurd eventually. And then we'll see what happens from there. So uh, we shall see. All right, Matthew Bernie, uh, I, I greatly appreciate your time. And uh, have a fun, fun weekend, man. Be careful out there. Yes, we will do, Jordy. we will do. Appreciate it. All right, buddy. You're the best. Matthew Bruni, Bengal Tiger on three dot com we'll take a time out here when we return we'll get the very latest from the new orleans saints and their latest ota with uh chris roseverglue next this is the jordy holberg show on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station your home for the lsu tigers and houston astros you want to take your lady out for a nice dinner, but you're low on cash? Hey, don't worry. The Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. As a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to score excellent prizes, like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse and a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen, both located at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort. You can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse. You know where to go, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Guess what? It's free. Guess what? It's simple. So go sign up today. Download the free Game Mobile app from either Android or Apple services so you can take the Blonde Bomber with you always. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. Hi, we are back and better than ever as we continue on this Thursday, June the 1st. Hope you're having a great, great day. We've got baseball right around the corner. The NBA Finals begin tonight. The Saints have been on the practice field. Chris Rose for glue, kind enough to join us as uh we talk about these New Orleans Saints and what's the latest uh, goings on there. So, Chris, good afternoon, my friend. How are you? Good afternoon, Jordy. I'm doing great. Hope all is well with you. Everything is swell. What's going on over there on Airline Drive? What what did, uh, what's the latest you're, you're hearing? What's the latest you've you've witnessed? Yeah, you know, a lot of the big focus still remains on Derek Carr. Finally had that first interception in OTAs earlier this week. Uh, I know people try to make a big deal over that, but just working out kind of the 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 ebbs and flows of the offense. And I think what you're really starting to see now is him building a connection with guys like Chris Olave, building a connection with guys like Rashid Shaheed, who was undoubtedly probably the biggest name of this week in terms of uh-huh. what you're seeing on the practice field and just the overall excitement you start to gain for next season because it seems like what we saw in December and January wasn't a fluke. It was maybe a sneak peek of what a uh, sneak peek of what we might get for a full season. So that's big news there. Uh, defensively, an interesting group we saw in terms of the starting line. Talk about Carl Granderson, Cam Jordan, Malcolm Roach, and Colin Saunders. And I think that's the type of group where if I have concerns, it's about what did the Saints get out of the D-line. So it's still early, but I found that fascinating to see that be the, the four-man starting rotation there. Uh, and then, you know, just some other simple stuff, looking at guys like Alante Taylor in the slot. Uh, Jordan Howden, the, the rookie safety event of Minnesota, starting to make some plays here and there. Uh, so some brief things defensively, but I think the main right. focus right now has been the passing game. 
DeAndre Hopkins is out there. Do you think the Saints call, kicked the tires, and inquired about him? I'd imagine so. I think it would kind of be foolish of them not to just at least throw in a call. And the reason I say that is DeAndre Hopkins said there's three things he wants. He wants to go to a team that has stable management. The Saints have that. He wants to go to a team that has a quarterback who loves to win and wants to win. Derek Carr definitely checks off that box. And then the third thing, he said he wants to play for a team with a top 10, top five caliber defense. And that's all the Saints have really known since Dennis Allen's been there. So they check off all the boxes. While I don't anticipate him going to the Saints, the fact that they do meet the criteria and they do have $13 million in cap space to spend relative to teams like the Bills and the Chiefs who don't really have anything to spend at the moment, uh, I thought it makes a lot of sense. But from what it sounds like, it seems like he's going to stick around, go back to the AFC where he first started, whether uh, it is with the Bills, whether it is with the Chiefs. So, you know, you're hearing teams like the Browns and the Patriots being mentioned. But I would think it, the Saints would have to put in a call because just think about the idea of having Hopkins, Michael Thomas, Olave, and Shahid as your main four. Uh, you would kind of make it fail-proof for Derek Carr in the passing game. Chris Rose, glue with us. Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't congratulate Jabari Greer who has uh, been named and is going to be heading to the Saints Hall of Fame. So so that's a good one. Uh, he can't get enough of those kind of guys. I wish the Saints had more like him. That's that's uh, That would be terrific. I, I, just a question I have in mind as I bounce around here. Um, Saints are old. They're, they're an older team. They're trying to get a little bit young, right? They're trying to. Well, let's say they go another eight and nine season. Let's say they win the, the NFC South and they get into the playoffs and they get bounced out after the first round. Is it time to break this thing up, get rid of assets, and is it time to start the rebuilding process? I definitely think it'd be time for the Saints to move on from some pieces. And the reason I think that it wouldn't be a full rebuild is that, you know, look at the positions where they're kind of lacking at or, or the guys that may move on from. Uh, look, let's say this is Alvin's last year of the Saints. I'm not saying that will be the case, but let's say the Saints are willing to negotiate right. that. You already right. drafted Kendra Miller, so maybe he ends up blossoming into the starting running back. Uh, we talk right. about Michael Thomas. If he gets hurt again, this is probably it for him in New Orleans. Well, you feel good about what you have in Olave and Shahid, so you feel like there's at least some foundation at wide receiver. Uh, even defensive line, the Saints just brought in Isaiah Foskey. They drafted Brian Brzee, so... You know, Cam Jordan is some guy they want to keep around. That's someone they want to be a saint for life. And I totally agree with that decision. If they can make it happen, uh, that both works out for the team and the player financially. But they're getting trying to get younger at that position. The, the one position where they can move on from the guy, if we talk about kind of making that shift from, okay, we're not all in. We're trying to do this soft retool or soft re rebuild would be linebacker because when you move on from DeMario Davis, yeah. we all love what Pete Werner brings to the table, but who would be that second guy? Is it DeMarco Jackson from last year? Is it someone who isn't even in the NFL yet? Would they have to draft another linebacker in a year or two from now? So I think for New Orleans, their roster is fascinating because I don't think it's one of those where they have to tear it down to the studs and just start okay. over completely. But I do think that there are there are leadership holes that they would have to figure out. You know, moving on from guys like Alvin, guys like DeMario, even maybe someone like Cam, which I don't anticipate, but let's say they right. did. Those are voices in the locker room that people have been listening to for the last five to seven years. People that when they walk into the room, everyone silences what they're doing because they want to listen to what they have to say. And I think that's where my main concern would be. But in terms of filling out the roster, I think the Saints have done a good job. And uh, whether it is the Derek Carr signing, whether it is bringing in guys like Jamal Williams or Kendra Miller, I feel like they can make it a little bit easier of a shift if they had to. Uh, obviously, I don't want that to be the case, but I do think the Saints can do something where you see them retool stuff. And the reason I say that is 
I looked at a Giants roster last year that I didn't think much of, and we saw you bring in the right coach. All of a sudden, yeah. certain pieces start playing better, and you yeah. go from Joe Judge's disaster Giants to all of a sudden Brian Dable's got the Giants looking like a playoff team. So I think there is a quicker fix than people realize. It would just be kind of upsetting to see certain leaders go and who would step up in that void. Joe Judge with a nightmare in New York, and now he's got the, the Patriots losing two OTAs because he's working too long with the special teams people. Okay, regardless. Big deal, not a big deal. I think it's a big deal. The Saints parted ways with Ryan Herman, their top analytics researcher. It seems to me Sean Payton said that Denver's analytics were far, far better uh, than what he had with the Saints, and as soon as he said that, boom, Ryan Herman's gone. Big deal, not a big deal. I think it's one of those that has to play out. I think that it's definitely, I would say this, I don't think it's not a big deal because I think when you make moves like that and the timing of everything is is certainly fascinating. But I think it's one of those where I want to see how it plays out because who knows, this could be a great thing for the Saints down the road. And on the other hand, we could be looking back two, three years from now and, and whether it's the analytics department, whether it's certain decisions they're making in crucial situations, whether it's personnel decisions, we could be like, all right, that could have ended up being a mistake. So I kind of want to wait in that regard, but I definitely don't want to just brush it to the side because I think for the Saints, the reason prior to the last two seasons they were so good at being a consistent playoff team and winning 10-plus games every season was top to bottom. It's not just because of one guy. The Saints, structurally speaking, were more technically sound than any other team in the league, in my opinion. So uh, I am fascinated to see how this goes down. I do think that there are certain decisions, especially in terms of – analytics and what the Saints do, I think they could be a little bit better at. I'd like to see them be a little bit more aggressive. Teams that have been aggressive have been rewarded a little bit more. Think about teams like the Chiefs who never want to yeah. give up the ball. So maybe a change is good for this team, but I I, I want to kind of wait to see uh, what the next moves are. So we've got uh, another, we, we turned the calendar to June. They've got another OTA session coming up and then a mandatory three-day mini camp where Everybody's supposed to be there. Michael Thomas, you think, going to show up for the mandatory minicamp? You know, if he does, it'll be to work on his foot. Uh, I think from what the Saints have said, this is a situation where they're both on great terms, so there's no worrying about if there's any bad blood. Uh, it's just about getting his foot right. And I think Michael Thomas's foot might not be right until training camp. Maybe it's not till the second or third week of training camp, whatever it may be. There are still hurdles he has to get over. But I think for the Saints, you're seeing a good job of – a decent amount of veterans showing up now when OTAs, obviously people don't have to be there. So for mandatory minicamp, I wouldn't be shocked if Michael Thomas makes an appearance, but don't expect him if he is in New Orleans to be making plays on the football field. It's more so about rehabbing that foot slash toe injury, making sure he's back to hundred percent. It'll be a while before we see that, but there's no reason to think that there's any friction right now within the saints building. That's good to hear. Um, Wheeling and dealing always taking place. Yesterday, the Saints added two players, a tight end, Jesse James, and a fullback, Jake Vargas. And they released a kicker. I didn't know he was even on the team, Alex Quavedo, uh, whoever. Um, James and Vargas, what are their chances of, you think, making this roster? You know, I, I would say right now, those, those kind of, when I see those signings, it, it, it screams just adding camp bodies to me. That's what it kind of sounds like. But I think for, for Jesse James, it's interesting because this is a player that if I go back three, four years when he was in Pittsburgh, I thought that he showed flashes of being a really serviceable tight end. I think it was 2018 where he had 400 plus yards. And there were moments where I said, okay, he, he can be a playmaker here and there, but we haven't really seen it since, since in Detroit, since with the Browns, just really hasn't been able to find that footing. And I think for new Orleans, there is that kind of hole 
at tight end three because you know what you get in Jawan Johnson. You know what you get in Foster Moreau. And while Taysom is listed as a tight end, you know he's a shoe in to make the roster because of other things he does incredibly well, just like running it from the quarterback spot. So I think for New Orleans, maybe it's finding that third guy. Just just think over the last couple of years, whether it's a guy like Nick Vanette, we've seen players who aren't primarily you know pass-catching players anymore, more so run-block-centric. Maybe the Saints can get something there. And, you know, a guy like Lucas Kroll, who's entering his second year undrafted at a pit, if he needs to get pushed a little bit, maybe bringing in a vet like Jesse James yeah. is the perfect guy for him to kind of earn that spot again. So that's what I'm kind of thinking it's more so for. I don't think the Saints really sign a player like Jesse James at this juncture in the offseason and kind of think that there's a clear-cut vision for him making the roster and what he can do. But, look, I, I think for New Orleans, you take a chance on talent. He's got a big body. He's experienced. I don't mind that idea, but... I just either way, I just think that there's going to be a tough pass for both players uh, that they signed this week. Vargas, you don't have many running backs, right? You got guys that are hurt. He's, he's just camp fodder, I would believe. That's what I believe. I know the Saints are one of those teams that does value kind of that fullback position more than most people. So maybe there always is that slight chance. But even then, I just think about, you know, a couple of years ago when the Saints brought in a guy like Alex Arma from Carolina, and he was considered at the time one of the top fullbacks. And even he just, you know, the Saints realize the league is moving away from this position and you start to think, okay, where is the, the room for a guy like that? So uh, we'll see. Maybe he wows people at minicamp and we start to see uh, some growth at that position. The Saints get back to what they used to do at that spot. But uh, I still kind of feel like this is a, a strictly working out in camp. You hope for the best and obviously you wish him the best. But uh, expectation wise, I'm not really at the top in terms of, of what I expect out of him right now. So as we... As we progress on, and and believe it or not, uh, training camp's not not that far off, and the season's really not that far away. Um, all the pressure to me seems to be on Dennis Allen and and Pete Carmichael. It's got to be how does this how does he manage this club, and how does this offense adapt to a new quarterback? Did you have a problem with the Saints bringing in John Gruden? So many people were up in arms about it because of his off the field comments. But on the field, I don't think anybody doubts he he knows Derek Carr. Derek Carr had the most success he's ever had in the NFL when Gruden was the coach. What were your thoughts about that joining together again? Yeah, look, I, I think when the move gets announced and you bring him in just to kind of pick his brain and see how you can you know jumpstart the offense and get the best out of Derek Carr, I, I get why people are outraged. I, I totally understand it. My, my first thought is... It's okay if people are upset about the move because at the end of the day, uh, they're entitled to be you know, upset about what was said behind closed doors and why John Gruden got ousted. Uh, the, the thing that kind of confuses me, though, and, and again, I'm not defending the Saints or whatever they decided to do, but there is there seems to be a section of the fan base that is you know, frustrated with the move and on the same hand wants you know, Dennis Allen and Pete Carmichael to finally get over the hump and show that they can be, you know, right. really key cogs of this Saints offensive staff and and really just get them back on the track. And my rebuttal to them would be, while I understand you, but you'll be frustrated with them bringing in Gruden, you have to understand they're going to exhaust every single option they can to get the best out of this Saints team and also get the best right. out of Derek Carr because right. he is a $150 million investment. But more importantly, this Saints coaching staff, this is it. Like, if it doesn't work this year and the Saints miss the playoffs, like you yeah. said, Dennis Allen, he's looking somewhere else. Pete Carmichael, he's looking somewhere else. And I just think it's a little unfair for people to get so angry at that decision, but at the same time be like, oh, well, you know what? Pete Carmichael and Dennis Allen better step up this year. 
Well, bringing in a guy like Gruden is their way of saying we're going to exhaust every option. So uh, it's one of those you can't have your cake and eat it too. If people want to be frustrated with the move and leave it at that, I totally agree and understand why they would feel that way. But at the same time, teams do this all the time. They didn't add him to the coaching staff. They brought him in for about five hours, sat down with him, saw what they can do. And if Derek Carr has a good season and the Saints make the playoffs, I promise you no one's going to remember about this or at least speak about it in a negative light. And I think that's kind of the thing about the NFL. It's results-driven. Teams are always looking for that edge, even if it doesn't sit well with certain people. And I think for New Orleans, uh, this isn't the time for them to worry about how moves might get perceived. It's about whether or not people can save jobs. And, and clearly this is a move they did uh, in an effort to do that. Aren't you curious what his – I wonder what Gruden's consultation fee is. What the Saints had to pay. He ain't coming here for free. I can tell you that. I I thought the same thing too. Maybe, maybe you take him out to dinner or something. There's probably great <laughs> options, obviously, for him. Uh, yeah. But look, and, and and funny enough, while we're, while we're on that subject, a lot of people are like, well, he, the league has passed him. Derek Carr, before Gruden ends up getting ousted for those emails coming out, was having a really good season. The Raiders ended up making the playoffs anyway that year. And then we saw last year things didn't work out. So New Orleans is probably just trying to figure out, hey, was last year a fluke or what were the things that made him tick? What were the things that worked out well for him? So uh, it's worth it, in my opinion. Let's put the plays in that work that he liked and let's how did you, diagram them. And we'll, we'll, we'll write it down and we'll figure it out. I mean, make the quarterback comfortable. Uh, the other players can adapt and adjust. I mean, I, I don't have a problem with it. I really, really, everybody makes mistakes, I understand. And some people forgive, some people don't. We certainly never forget. But um, let's move on. And Saints are trying to get the best. I, I, I don't have a problem with it. I really don't. Yeah, and, and like I've said, it's it's not like they added him to the staff. Had they done that, it's a totally different conversation. Yes. Yes. Because there's a lot to be said. You know, players in the, are going to have to be comfortable in the room. But at the end of the day, you're probably talking about just Pete Carmichael, Derek Carr, and John Gruden sitting in a room and saying, okay, how can we get the best out of number four? And whether Saints fans like it or not, if this season's going to go the way we all want it to go, Derek Carr's got to play good football. It can't be mediocre football. It can't be some days good, some days not. He's got to be what we saw in 2021, what we saw the year that he almost won MVP prior to suffering the leg injury. That's what they need. And if this is what it takes to get it, you kind of live with it. You're the best, Chris. Thank you so much. I love your studio, man. I got mine's got. I got to do some work on mine. Yours is far better than mine, but uh, I greatly appreciate your time uh, as always. Have a great weekend, buddy, and thank you so much. We'll do it again. I can't wait. Thank you so much for having me, Jordy. He's the best, Chris Rosevaglu, talking New Orleans Saints and the NFL. Um, it is now 51 minutes after the hour. We'll take a quick timeout. We'll set the stage for hour number two next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. And our great partners like ShopRite, Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, you can't shop right at all. By Ducks, cleaning America's air from the inside out. By Eon, the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device. It helps you lose those unwanted inches along with permanent fat reduction. Eon in Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and Mandeville. Call for a consultation. It's free today. You'll love it. By the Louisiana Lottery. Ah, so many games to play, but you can't win until you actually start playing responsibly. D.C.'s Little Capital Exxon with their true soul food deli, home of the best cheeseburger that you have ever tasted, along with everything under the sun for your travel needs. And then Cajun Chef, do yourself a flavor. Turn up the taste with Cajun Chef Hot Sauce. 
Don't agree with what Jordy has to say? Not to worry. He's always open to a healthy debate. Well, Dean, I'm, I'm glad that you asked that Actually, question. Actually, I'd like to jump in and take that one, Jimmy, if you don't mind. Have at it, Hoss. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111. Now back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, we're back as we wrap up our number one um, LSU baseball regional about to uh, start. And, um, you know, the hay's in the barn. We'll know who pitches tomorrow, and uh, we'll, we'll go from there. Every, again, every team that gets into the NCAA tournament is a good team. That's just fact. Uh, Tulane's hot at the right time. Are they the same as LSU? No. It just takes one day, one game. That's all it takes. You don't play your best. They play their best. Anything can happen. You boot the ball around the field, anything can happen. But if LSU plays their best game, they beat anybody in this tournament, in this regional. They beat anybody. And they beat anybody in the Super Regional. Now, once you get to the College World Series, well, that's a different, different story. But coming up, our number two of the program, George Faust will join us. Uh, the Cajuns are in Miami. No, they're not going to South Beach. They are on a business trip. They're trying to survive and advance. They get to take on uh, the Texas Longhorns. Um, always a brand name in college baseball. No question about it. But the Cajuns are playing good ball. They're hot, and they're in this thing. They've got 40 wins this season. So uh, we'll talk about that. Uh, George Becknell, Jamie Mesh, James Mesh, and I will uh, will make some picks as the NBA Finals begin tonight. It, just about everybody under the sun is picking the Denver Nuggets, but you know what? Just about everybody under the sun picked the Boston Celtics. You got to you got to step on the throat of the Miami Heat and and never let up because they don't die. They just keep playing. Keep playing so you might be surprised this might be a pretty good nba finals we shall see it's all coming your way hour number two on this thursday june the first the jordy helpert show here on the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles we're your home for everything with the lsu tigers and the world series champion they're getting on a roll the houston astros Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Hour number two of two, and away we go. It is Thursday, June the 1st, the year 2023. My main man, James Mesh, sitting in the producer's chair in the EVCO Development Studios. EVCO Development, a civil construction company that specializes in multifamily construction. All on the campus of Delta Media, which is where you will find KLWB, which has the numbers 1037 in Lafayette. We're also on KLCJ 1041 in Lake Charles. We're streaming all over the world. 1037thegame.com 
1041thegame.com. And if you happen to be in the Acadiana area, well, you can turn your television set on because we're simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Um, baseball. Yes, indeed. Baseball. There you go. It's coming up. We've got the College World Series for women underway uh, today. Already a battle of SEC teams, Tennessee 10, Alabama 5 in their first game. Um, we've got NCAA regional baseball beginning tomorrow. LSU at home, the Raging Cajuns in Miami, and Nichols on the road as well. So three teams um, all in it. It certainly appears that the SEC is going to maintain an eight-game schedule for at least a little while. Um, it just uh, doesn't seem to be gaining enough uh, enough of a vote to do it. So we're going to have to wait and see how this all transpires. ADs are supposed to be voting today. We'll see uh, what happens. Thanks to a Louisiana-based company known as Tiger Air, LSU football is the first college team to debut air-conditioned helmets this season. Air-conditioned helmets. Wow, what a game-changer. The helmets reportedly have a five-hour lifespan before needing a charge, and these are expected to last up to four seasons. Tiger Air says there are three different tube lines with air, one across the forehead, and two down the sides that are movable. It's got to make a difference, doesn't it? Man. It's, what's next? Well, they're going to get air-conditioned wristbands. and air con- I mean, it's, it's amazing. Technology is absolutely amazing. So, LSU won't be sweating nearly as much when they play in Tiger Stadium. And it's... Um, in early September, when it feels like it's 150 degrees out there, the Tigers, yeah, one thing's for sure, right? Nobody's taking their helmet off. Everybody's wearing, who's going to take your helmet off on the sideline? First thing you do in the past, you, you, offense comes off the field, everybody takes their helmet off and sticks it on those little white poles behind the bench. Now nobody's going to take their helmet off. I wouldn't. AC Comfort. Are you kidding me? Oh, man, that, that'll be awesome. That'll be awesome, especially on the road when fans from opposing teams are throwing things at you. And believe me, they throw things at you. Um, people are going to – players are going to keep their helmets on. I wonder if coaches have can wear baseball caps or visors that have these uh, air-conditioned components as well. That'd be nice. And if so, why wouldn't everybody go buy a baseball cap uh, and take and wear it at the game. Air conditioned comfort, unless of course you're sitting in one of those suites. My goodness, this is a game changer, folks. I, I can see it. Oh, I can see it coming down the pipeline. Air conditioned lids, absolutely. Oh well, we shall see. We shall see. The NBA playoffs uh, are down to two teams. Obviously, it's the NBA finals that begin tonight. Denver hosting the Miami Heat. And, um, I, you know, everybody under the sun's picking the Denver Nuggets. And I can understand why. They had the best record all year long. They got uh, arguably one of the best players 
uh, out there that's basically unguardable. And um, in Nikola Jokic, uh, but um, the, the Miami Heat say you need all five guys to slow him down. So you'll see a bunch of changes. It's, it's a great chess match. you got one of the best coaches in the league and Eric Spolster of Miami going up against another good coach and a really good team that's got weapons everywhere. They space the floor. Jamal Murray is a guy that can get his shot, and he is a he's spot on. You, you've got a bunch, a bunch of, of good role players that understand their roles. Don't try to do anything other than their role. And as Eric Polster said, Jokic is unique. He doesn't have any noticeable weaknesses. He's got size. He's got a skill set. Um, he can impact the game and impact winning in a myriad of ways. So who's going to guard him? Who's going to help? Um, I think you're going to see Jimmy Butler uh, on Aaron Gordon. And I think Butler's going to be the guy that roams all over the place. And they're going to say, Gordon, if you're hitting shots, go ahead, hit shots. And um, we'll, we'll let you take them. We'll let you be the, the superstar of this series if you can consistently make them. We will see. Um the Lakers made the big change, and Michael Malone said, okay, well, you know, you made a change. Uh, we can make a change uh, in this Lakers series, and they put the smaller guy on Jokic in Rui Hachimura, and they let uh, Anthony Davis roam underneath. The problem was uh, the, the Lakers never got a game under their belt. They never won it. So it was just more wins for Denver. They adapted. They adjusted. So, So we shall see. Uh, what happens along these lines, but game one is tonight. Everybody's betting Denver, like I said before, but everybody was betting on Boston to be their opponent. Only ones that didn't bet on them were the Miami Heat. Everybody was betting on Milwaukee to win their series, but the Miami Heat beat them as well. So just when you think, just when you think, yeah, don't think. Because Miami is a good team. They're not going to go away. They're not going to beat themselves. They're going to play hard. They're going to do little things. They'll play zone sometimes. They'll play man sometimes. They'll mix it up. Um, when you get this far, you're really, really good. There's no question. But there's nobody about like this Nikola Jokic. There's nobody like him. He is uh, spectacular. And uh, we will see what happens on that. Sticking with the NBA, um, Brad Stevens, who's a general manager and president of the Boston Celtics, says that Joe Mazzula will return as the coach of the Boston Celtics. And good news for one Monty Williams, one of the good guys fired from Phoenix. I just don't, I don't know. I, I don't get it. Somebody has to be the scapegoat. And some players are just coach killers. They just are. So anyway, Monty Williams is out of Phoenix and he is in with the Detroit Pistons, he agreed to a six-year, $78.5 million contract. It's the largest coaching deal in NBA history. He was named the coach of the year last May of 2022, and now he's fired, but it didn't take long. Detroit, very smart uh, to hire him. Williams replaces Dwayne Casey, who I played against in college when he went to Kentucky, Casey stepped down as the Pistons coach in April to move into a front office role. 
Falco um, trying to bring back the bad boys, trying to bring back the success that they had that year. The Pistons hold the number five overall pick in June's NBA draft. Um, Eric Lewis, the referee, won't work the NBA Finals. He's uh, in the throes of an NBA investigation. The NBA named their 12 referees today who will work the NBA Finals. Lewis uh, had been chosen to work the Finals in each of the past four seasons, but the league is looking into whether he used a Twitter account to defend himself and other officials from online critiques. Well, can't do that. Um, can't do that. So we'll see. Uh, he's out, and these officials get paid a lot of money to referee the finals. A lot of money. So uh, I'm sure that's hitting him where it hurts. Okay. Um, 12 minutes after the hour, we've got George Faust. We'll be talking Cajuns um, in the uh, NCAA tournament as they are in Coral Gables, Florida. We'll talk that and other things with George. And then George Becknell, James Mesh, and I will make some picks. It's a it's a Friday edition on a Thursday afternoon since tomorrow during our showtime, we'll have the LSU two-lane game in the NCAA regional uh, on 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Pre-game show 130, first pitch 2 o'clock. So we'll treat this hour as though it were a Friday because for us, it really is a Friday. So timeout, George Faust, next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Are you tired of your boring man cave? There's no fun if it's boring. It's no fun. Well, the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with the ultimate man cave makeover built by Lafayette Marble and Granite. Sign up today in the clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for a chance, a chance to win a new recliner from Bordelon's Furniture, a flat screen TV from AVI, and more. It's the ultimate man cave makeover, powered by Lafayette Marble and Granite in the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. There's no better way to wrap up the work week than talking with the man regarded as the king of Acadiana sports media, KLFY Sports Director George Faust. It's time for Fridays with Faust here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Fridays on a Thursday with Faust. Got to get him in. My main man, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, Jordy. Doing well. How are you? Hey, you are low key today. What's going on? I, I, I <laughs> man. My head is spinning. I got so many feet, irons in the fire right now, and I'm sitting in the in the newsroom <laughs> trying to trying to compose my thoughts. <laughs> so it's a it's a, it's a little I, I, right now. I'm kind of kind of doing three things at once, but I'm I'm oh focused my. on this right now. So let's not. Oh back. my god! I'm a step well, I'm a step outside so I can I can talk. <laughs> we're we're just here to add a little fun to your day and pick your brain on some fun things rather than you have to be boy, I could tell I could tell something was going on with George because he's always 
very full of energy and laughter and all, but my goodness. Okay. Um, I'm well, outside now. All right. Got the sun kissing. Boy. Boy. There, there's the Fausti I know and love. There's the Faust I know and love. My goodness. All right. Um, boy, that's a that's a tough regional at Coral Gables. You've got some names, man. Miami, Texas, Cajuns win 40 games, and you got the fourth seed Maine, but Texas versus UL on the road starting tomorrow at one o'clock. That's that's a great matchup. That that's gonna be fun. Yeah, that that should that should be a fun little ball game. I, I know, look, I I talked to to the players yesterday, you know. It's interesting when you when you when you're dealing with a, a team that that expects success, and the, I think that's what the Cajuns yeah. do. They go into they go into a game and they expect success, and that's that's how they approach this regional. Every one of the players we talked to, uh, whether it be on camera or just uh, you know while they were getting ready to take BP or whatever, they were all you know hey. We're not you know everybody for for everybody you go to South Florida you know you're going to have a good time right. That wasn't their mindset, you know. The the, the proverbial business trip was the was the mantra, and uh, I, I really think that uh, they have that mindset now. Uh, will their pitching hold up? Are they going to get the timely hitting that they need? Uh, we'll have to wait and see if that's the case. But they're they're going there with the mindset to hey, you know, it's a it's a business trip. Let's go knock let's go knock these games out. Just get to the next next stage and and. Uh, I think that's that's benefiting them right now, but uh, I I think to, for, from this point for right now for what they have the point that they're at I think they're in a, in, in a good place and uh, it should be an interesting contest because I know I know Texas is a is a, is a tough team to play but the, the Cajuns kind of they've got as coach Coach Deggs put it to to me yesterday they got a chance to rest. That, that that game, those two games against Coastal Carolina that they won in the Sun Belt tournament, he said that took a lot out of them. You know, so uh, which is probably why they couldn't close the deal against Southern Miss. But what they have now is a couple of days of rest. They're relaxed, and now they're ready to play. So that he, he yeah. thinks the rest is one of the most important things that they've got uh, over the past couple of days. I'm with you. They're 40 and 22. You mentioned the two wins over Coastal. You got two wins over Texas State. You got one win over Southern Miss. Um, the pitching has gotten better and better. And JT Etheridge is one of those guys that seems to have stepped up uh, with two saves and three outings in the Sun Belt tournament. You can't get enough arms at this time of the year. No, that you know, there's there's just. You never know who it's going to be at this point in the in, in the season either, because there's always. I mean, look at if you look at last year, what Ole Miss was able to do when they got to that 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 stretch in the College World Series, they they didn't know who was going to be the guy that stepped up, and the guy that they pitched in the game two of the, the national championship, like his name escapes me right now, but he's a he was a lefty, and they didn't know what he was going to do if if he if he was able to. Go to he he ended up being a gym uh, pitching a gym that day. So you don't know what guy's going to step up, and and I think the important thing is to have somebody who's working while they wait and they get the opportunity and they take advantage of their opportunity. And uh, that's what the Cajuns will need in this regional, just because of the the talent level of the of the regional, and uh, they're they're, they're yeah. included in that. I mean, the Cajuns have some talented guys. They have a lot of people that. Uh, that, that we'll probably be talking about 
uh, in the, at the next level in some way, shape, or form. So, uh, yeah, you gotta have, you gotta have pitching. You got it's so vital at this point. I mean, it, it, we know that, and, and you see it every year. Yeah, um, you know, but conference tournament play is rough, man. UL played six games. I mean, you don't have six pitchers, not six starters. So no. if everything, if in the perfect scenario, if everything's go goes perfect in Miami, you only play three games. So, I mean, it's a lot less wear and tear on your staff if, right? If. Right. Yeah. And, and look, I, I think the first, like, to me, in these type of situations, I mean, the same thing in Baton Rouge. I mean, I think that first win, you got, you got to get yourself that first win because you kind of put yourself at ease a little bit. Same, same for LSU. They're playing Tulane, right? I mean, you don't want right. to lose to Tulane if you're LSU, and, and the Cajuns are the same way. They want to get that first win. I think it's vital, no matter if you're the one seed, the four seed, whatever, uh, it, you're trying to get that first win to put yourself in a situation where, all right, see, all right, now we belong. We know we belong. And if you're the one seed, you kind of already know that. But if you're two, three, or four, that, that, could, that could be up in the air, whether or not you made, you made it in on your merits or you made a conference championship, right. however you did it. You, you have to kind of give yourself a little bit of a, 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 a pat on the back by winning that first game, and then you can relax a little and then get into it. Uh, so I think that first game is vital for the Cajuns just because it, you, can, you can kind of go, look, all right, here we are. Let's go play. We, did, we already did it once. Let's yeah. go do it again now. And you give yourself I'm a leg you. up when you get that first win. I'm with you. George Faust leaving the newsroom and he's outside to confer with us. And we greatly appreciate it. I don't know if Matt Diggs is playing philosopher, psychiatrist. He says, look, um, you got to be able to score runs in the postseason. It's hot. Uh, everybody's seen a lot of arms. Hitters are going to catch up. Uh, we've got to put the ball in play more. So he's putting some pressure on his, well, not pressure, but he's being honest, but he's trying to yeah. take the focus and the emphasis off the pitching staff and on the everyday players, and and I can appreciate that. Yeah, I, I think uh, yeah, you kind of have to if you if you you got to score runs, right? I mean, it's got to happen. Uh, I it, it, when you get to baseball at this point, though, it, you know, pitching is so vital. So maybe he's just, you like you said, just trying to deflect a little. You gotta have you gotta have those guys who can go out and give you uh, what do they call them quality quality uh, outs. Quality innings yes, uh, yes. and uh, and quality starts is the word I'm looking for. And, and so, yes. whether that be a five inning, uh, you know, and you get you get a five inning performance, or you get a, a seven inning performance, you know, whatever you get, it has to be a quality uh, performance. But you do need runs. I mean, and, and the cool thing about Co- the way Coach Deggs coaches is, I, I think they they're they they're able to put up a lot of runs if they if they. Uh, start swinging the sticks the way we know they can do it. I mean, they've had games this year where they attacked the, I talked about this a couple months ago with you about how LSU goes out there and it just seemed like they're just pounding the ball. Like it just, right. And I think the Cajuns have that ability. I, I've watched them enough this year to see they attack the baseball when, it's, when, when they have the opportunity. If they can do that this, this weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh, uh, I think they're they're in good shape. You're right. They need to score some runs, but hey, you know, the, I, I love I love offense more than defense. That's just the way I'm, sure. I'm made. But but pitching pitching does dominate. You know, I mean, as much as it pains me to say, if you got if you got a guy that can deal 
and he's hitting the zones and making his hitting his spots and making it difficult for the other team to hit. Uh, all you need is one or two, you know, in that case. Uh, but uh, yeah, she got to score runs. There's no doubt about it. My gosh, George Faust, KLFY, switching to football. We talked about the Cajuns with five starting times for their 2023 football schedule. It was out. They opened the season. Northwestern State at 6.30. They go on the road for a 5 o'clocker against Old – I've never been to Old Dominion. Where is Old Dominion, by the way? Do you know? I I, I want to say somewhere on the East Coast, Virginia. Yeah. Uh, back over in that area. That makes sense. Um. That makes sense. Uh, I, I'm not. I'm not really sure. Uh, the only thing I know about Old Dominion is that in like 1984, their women's field hockey team won the national championship. Yeah, Don't ask me how I know that uh, because uh, when I was a young boy, ESPN was on in my house, and I was watching it. And I, I my mom wow. was like, "What are you doing? I'm watching." I go, "I'm watching Old Dominion win the women's uh, field hockey national championship." <laughs> I know they had good, they had good women's basketball back in the day. I know that for a fact, Um, (laughs) but the game that's really of interest and intrigue to me, um, Thursday, November 9th, UL will welcome Southern Miss to Cajun field for the first time in 22 years. It'll be a 6:30 kickoff. It'll be nationally televised on ESPNU. If they can't sell that one out, because Southern Miss is good, it's a great rival, I think that's going to be a great atmosphere at Cajun Field. I really do. I, I think it would be phenomenal. I, you know, I, the thing about that, is, and when we talk about this when the Sun Belt expanded and invited Southern Miss and they're joining the league, that, that creates one of the, one of the what should be, it, as long as this conference is the way it is, uh, a phenomenal rivalry one of these kind of uh dare i say egg bowl iron bowl type atmosphere yes. where you can you can you know count on fans to get fanatical and uh the teams to be good and and you'll have you know the back and forth of uh, so yeah that, i'm with you on that there, there, there's no reason why that one shouldn't be packed out uh, the excitement level will be high. Of course, we'll be live at that game, no doubt about it. Uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, the excitement level should be through the roof. Uh, Southern Miss has played here since uh, back in 2005 when uh, Southern Miss beat Arkansas State uh, for the uh, the uh, New Orleans Bowl. The New Orleans Bowl was held in Lafayette after Hurricane Katrina uh, yeah. that, that okay. year. So, uh, that was that was uh, that's the last time I think Southern Miss was over here at all. I got an and, uh, idea. I got an idea for you. Got an idea for you, George. You need to run it yeah. on your show, and you need to take a poll. Let's come up with a name for this game. Let's come up with some kind of a trophy or something for the Cajuns versus the Golden Eagles. Um, you know, we got the Egg Bowl. You got the Battle of the Boot. You got all these names up there: Minnesota, the Golden, the Axe, and the Iron yeah. Bowl and all that kind of stuff. We got to come up with a name. Uh, it'd be great. It'd be great. Start oh, a yeah. new tradition. The 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 pine the pine pine derby or the pine trophy or I don't know something. Uh, <laughs> the crawfish. Something. Come on, George. Uh, see, they don't, got a lot of great uh, listeners, viewers out there. So uh, let's start a contest. Let's come up with there. a name for this thing and let's build it up. 
I, I'm about it, man. I'm about it. That, that sounds like a great idea. I, I love trying to name stuff and do stuff like that. That's 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 a lot of fun. I think people right, get tomorrow into one it, o'clock, no doubt. Tomorrow, one o'clock, Cajuns and the Longhorns. Cajuns forty and twenty-two. The Longhorns thirty-eight and twenty with an RPI of twenty-eight. Um, Cajuns RPI is forty-seven. None of that matters. Just get out there, pitch it, field it, <laughs> throw it, hit it. And get on, cross that plate more than the other team, and you win. So we'll see. Should be that, fun. That's it. Uh, all right, get back in the newsroom because you got too many things on. I don't want to take any more of your time, man. So thank you for taking a break. I greatly appreciate. Oh uh, look, it, it, I, I love talking to you. I just I, I had to I had to ramp up. You know, I had to get going. <laughs> yeah, you. You said, "Hey, hey, Jordy, it's not." Nice to be here with you. I'm like, what? What is that? Come on. Anyway, You're like, are you, are the you best. in a monastery? Thank you. What's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> right. Have a good rest of the week, my friend. Thank you so much. George Faust from ALFY. Uh, Fridays with Faust on a Thursday. All right. It's time to continue our Friday theme. George Becknell, James Mesh. We'll make some picks. We'll have some fun next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Now, we here at the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, know you love to hear some of our shenanigans on and off the air. At least I hope you do. So go and subscribe to our YouTube channel at The Game Louisiana and turn that bell on. So you can get notifications when we post our new content and game recaps. So go see more of our fun behind the scenes and after work mischief at the game, Louisiana on YouTube. They say shooters shoot. He's a man who shoots from the hip and a man who's hip when he shoots. And no one shoots more from the hip when it comes to sports talk than the blonde bomber. Back to more of the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, welcome back. Thursday, June the 1st. But since we have LSU baseball on tomorrow, we're going to treat this Thursday as though it were a Friday. So I get the regular crowd to shuffle in, and I'm thrilled. James Mesh back in the EPCO Development Studios and my buddy George Becknell. As we always say, where in the world is George today? Hello, my friend. Jordan, what's up, my brother? How you doing? I'm good, man. It's my Friday. I don't have to don't have to work tomorrow. I can watch baseball tomorrow. So, hey, man, that sounds yeah. like a great day. What what you gonna watch tonight? Tonight, I I, I think we all know what I'm gonna watch tonight. You know, a little NBA Finals, man. There you, know, you it's, go. It's, it's one of my favorite times of the year. The NBA that's Finals. Ex- that's exactly where we begin. Um, gotcha. nobody, okay. nobody anticipated Miami. They had to get through Milwaukee and Giannis. They had to get through Boston. And what a collapse by James Mesh's Celtics, huh? I'm sorry about that, James, but what God. a collapse. Didn't deserve it. I mean, they didn't, yeah. they didn't deserve ahead, to James. move They didn't deserve to move on. Okay. A man of few words, but very succinct. <laughs> very true. Very honest. All right. Um, I know that he just said Joe Missoula will be back. So I wonder if uh, Jalen Brown will be back. I wonder if they're going to, they're going to keep that group together again. They're too good. It's too hard to get players like that. Right. So run them again. Yeah. I mean, for me, 
they're still very young and people have been trying to split them up for what four or five years now it's Forever. like right because it's like notable players like lebron mj other guys they didn't get their first championship till they were 27 28 29 and they haven't even gotten to that point yet so the fact that yeah. they've made it to five conference finals in the last seven years together i mean why would you want to break it up and it was the first year for Joe Mazzulla who kind of had to do things on the fly. So sure I think it's a good overall team. Sure. Move on from a couple of players, but keep the core. Keep Marcus Smart. Keep Jason Tatum. Keep Jalen Brown. Keep Rob, but make a few changes here and there. And I feel like that could, depending on what you do, could put you in the finals next year. Who knows? All right. That's enough about the Celtics. They're done. <laughs> They're toast. Jeez. George, I said a man of few words. And look, he just went on a diatribe about his team. I love his hey, spirit about that. That's all. Awesome. He was like, "Look, Jordan says to talk more, so let me let me give you a little bit, man. I got <laughs> a little fire." You, uh, me. Oh my gosh, I lit a fire under James Mesh. My <laughs> goodness gracious, um, George. Yeah. Back to back to the finals. Um, sure. Denver's really good. Everybody yeah. had counted out Miami, but they're really good. Tell me, tell me what you're looking. What 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 intrigues you about this matchup? It, it is very intriguing to me the fact that Miami has gotten here and you really only got one superstar. You know, typically, you know, in the history of basketball, you've always seen a team with two superstars, two guys you can just throw the ball to and they go get a bucket and, and, and they get to the final. It's, Miami is almost like Jimmy Butler and friends. So it's really, really intriguing to me Who's gonna be that guy in in Miami where when Jimmy's shots are not falling, who's gonna step up? Because if you look at Denver over there, Jokic is the man. Jokic might be the best player in the NBA right now. He's clearly the best big man that's not even close. Then on the then on side of him, you got Jamal Murray, who's finally healthy for the first time in a few years, and he can be that guy as well to just go get you that bucket in, in crunch time. So my question to the Heat is, who's going to be that second guy when maybe Jimmy Butler's not playing out of his mind? Because at some point, he's got to come back down to earth and be a human, right? So that's that's what I'm looking for in the final. Yeah, I, I'm old enough to remember all the great teams. You think of the great teams and the powerhouses, yeah. the Celtics, the Lakers, the Bulls. And Celtics had four or five guys that were, I mean, they had Parrish, Mikhail, Mikhail, Bird, Dennis Johnson, the Lakers yeah. had Kareem, Magic, Worthy. Worthy. I mean, and all those teams had had super the the, the Bulls with Jordan and Pippen. Pippen. And, I thought Rodman was a superstar. To be yeah. quite honest with you, Golden State. Uh, so um, it's it's kind of amazing. Look, I think Jamal Murray is a hell of a player for Denver, but these these are old school teams in a in a new era new school era of basketball in that man they pass the ball man they yes. move the ball around they and their best players are unselfish players and they give up the ball and it's just it's to me it is so refreshing to watch rather than pound it i'm so sick of james harden pounding pound right pound, dribble 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 shot clock down to three dribble dribble jack up a three so for that aspect, that, that's what intrigues me with this one. Both of these teams move the ball. They they move bodies. They pass. They share. They yeah. care. It's fun. It it's is fun. fun. You know, it's, it's fun. And I, I like how 
you know, you got players who actually shoot mid-range jump shots too. Yeah. You know, not yeah. to not not to just be completely old school, but yeah, I get yeah. tired of watching, you know, 30, 40 three-point attempts a that's, game, man. This is that's, a little That's James's Boston Celtics. James, do you like the style that these two teams play? Yeah, I don't mind it. And with the mid-range game, it is kind of like a refresher because it feels like so many players nowadays only go for the in the paint or three-point game or do a floater. It's it's kind of refreshing to see guys go for a shot from the elbow or from the baseline. So I like that a lot. One thing that really stands out to me, though, not only with both of the team's defenses, but something that stands out with the Nuggets is the length. Because Nikola Jokic, seven-footer. Jamal Murray's pretty tall for his position group. Michael Porter, absolute giant. Aaron Gordon's a force. So it's like you got the good guard play from... Caleb Martin and Gabe Vincent and you got Jimmy Butler doing his thing and then Bam's kind of a smaller center compared to others so it's like does the size outmatch them and then the rest Mm. that the Nuggets have had because it's been 10 days now since the Nuggets Um, have last played a game Miami's a good team Miami's a really good team but who's going to guard Jokic who's going to guard him I mean he (laughs) Adebayo's talented, he's athletic, but he's too short. You're not putting Kevin so, Love on him. And he doesn't – Kevin Love, geez. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, they got no. They got nobody to guard him in, in any way, shape, or form. So with that in mind, James Mesh, start us off. Who you got winning it and in how many games? I'm going to take the Nuggets, and I'll take them in six. Okay. George? I have to agree. Um, I was thinking Nuggets in six um, only because I respect Spolstra as a coach. I think he's, you know, in, coaching the NBA is very underrated. He's one of the best. And I think Jimmy Butler's that dangerous the way he can will the heat to like two games, right? But to your point, the Nuggets are very, very good. And I don't see a scenario where they lose this series outside of a Jokic or Murray injury. We're uh, we're in unanimous agreement. I've got the Nuggets in six as well. So we will see. All right, <laughs> let's go to college baseball. LSU uh, in the Baton Rouge Regional. They'll take on the Tulane Green Wave tomorrow. Um, then uh, Oregon State will take on Sam Houston State. What do you think about this regional, George? Um, Tulane is kind of scary. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you about that, uh, but I, I think – I think when it comes to, you know, as long as, long as you got finesse on the mound and when it comes to uh, baseball in June in the alley's box, I, I just – I lean towards those Tigers, man. It's just something about them. I see LSU coming out of this and hosting the Super Regional. All right. James, do you, who do you like? And do you think LSU sweeps through this thing? I don't know about sweep. I think they may lose a game. Because even though you play Tulane, they were 19 and 40. They've been on a roll, and there's a reason why they're still in it at this point. Oregon State and Sam Houston, those are also good baseball teams as well. So I don't think they'll go unscathed. And I think even in the games that they win, you'll come out of this region and be like, LSU won, but mm, the pitching wasn't still great. Maybe the batting wasn't as on fire as you were hoping for throughout most of the season. Like, There's going to be some things with the LSU Tigers where you're like, I'm not super convinced that they okay. ultimately go to Omaha. All right. Um, 
I think LSU takes care of business. I think just the opposite of that. I think you come away with this going, oh, okay, that looks like the team that was number one in the country. I think they've had some rest. I think they've kind of re- recouped, regathered themselves, uh, just just going out on a limb. I think LSU takes care of business. I think they win this thing kind of convincingly, and the road to Omaha gets a little bit easier. We'll see. Um I'll start with you, James. You're, you're raging Cajuns um, going to Miami. Uh, they'll take on the Texas Longhorns. It's got it's a star-studded feel as far as names in the history of college baseball with the Hurricanes and the Longhorns. Um, what do you think of the Cajuns' chances? It is a very talented regional for that one because even with Maine, I mean, back in the day, they were really good at baseball. But yeah. I don't feel great about it. Even though Matt Degg said said today that Jackson Nezu will be starting for the Cajuns for game one, I still am going to take the Longhorns in this one. I don't, even though it's nice chemistry and all with the Cajuns and they willed themselves to get to the championship game in the Sun Belt. I'm not, I'm not super convinced that they can beat and get through both the University of Miami, and the Texas Longhorns. All right. George Becknell, what do you think? George, is, is Roger Clemens going to be on the hill for the University uh, of Texas no, this, this weekend? No, he's, 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 not, not. he's not. I'm about, I'm about 30, 40 years too late. Well, yeah, yeah. in that case, give me the Cajuns. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm going to be a homer. God damn it. I'm predicting the Cajuns to come out of this regional. Hey, I, I got I got the Cajuns. Wouldn't uh, that be something if the Cajuns win this regional and got to come to Baton Rouge for a super regional? No, uh, they're how not awesome. Ma- would that be? No, they're not maxed up. They're not maxed up. Ah, okay, LSU right. would take on the L- whoever wins the Baton Rouge regional is maxed up with the Lexington Kentucky regional. So I tried. Uh, wishful but thinking. That. We got that in softball. Got that in softball. And the Cajuns certainly take took care of business in that one. Uh, I don't think uh, I'm, I'm with James. No, it's not happening for the Cajuns. Not in this one. Um, I think it comes down to Miami and Texas. And uh, don't be surprised if uh, Miami comes on and wins this thing. Uh, I, I just don't uh, think that's the case. Um, you played football back in the day, didn't you, George? Yeah. Uh, you see Absolutely. where LSU has got uh, air-conditioned helmets. How about Man. that? Man, look, I, I was – that is insane. That's that's a that's a game changer right there. Do you realize? Do you realize the the stamina on some of these guys? How, how that's how they how much longer they gonna be able to play with a cool head? Yeah, like like that's that's the most crazy thing I've ever heard, man. We we didn't even have a locker room in air conditioning when yeah. I played football, and now they got helmets with air conditioning. That, that's Same, that's man. awesome. James, don't you agree with me? No player is going to take his helmet off. You know, when they come to the sidelines, they take them off and they put them on those little white PVC poles behind the bench. Everybody's going to leave their helmet on. Yeah, Yeah. I I would keep it on the whole time unless you just get super frustrated. And you know how players throw their helmets out of frustration, like when they make a couple drops or throw an interception. It's like at that point, unless that happens, probably keep it on. Dude, if they if they throw the helmet, they're gonna mess up their air conditioning. <laughs> yeah, you break you break, break it. They ain't throwing their helmets. Uh-uh. <laughs> so with a helmet to have an air condition, what's next, George? What's gonna be the next innovative thing? Are you gonna have 
air conditioned down the side of your pants or I was gonna say in what, the socks. what's next? I, I, I think Nike's going to have to make a material that automatically cools you off the hotter your body temperature is. I, I think I think that has to be next because, I mean, the, air conditioning the helmet, man, this is something that I would have never imagined. As I, I, I don't know. I'm completely speechless by it. I mean, how much weight do you think it adds to it? And how much, I mean, you see these, yeah. you see these teams at practice and they put these things on top of their helmets. It looks like yeah. a, like a bubble, like a bubble head or, or something. something. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I want to look good when I'm playing. I don't want a big old waterhead looking helmet on me. But Jordan, I was looking, I was looking at a video that they showed where they were, where some of the players were trying this helmet on. It just looked like it was, like it was normal. It, it didn't look yeah. like it was heavier than what they expected. Yeah, it's a it normal helmet. The helmet is a normal size. Yeah. I, I don't know. For them. I, I, it's going to be amazing. James, uh, James, Jamar Chase said he, he used it last year. I, when you're in Cincinnati, <laughs> uh, you know, and you don't need it very often. It gets <laughs> no. cold up there, man. The latter half of the season, you don't need it at all. No. Maybe, maybe oh. they're going to put little holes in the face mask, and it's going to put out a little spray mist to cool off your face. I, some they're going to do something or they're going to have air conditioned um wristbands or something. I don't know. I don't Gloves know. or cleats. I wonder I wonder if Jamar Chase and Burrow got got the heater in there too. You know how like the air conditioner at your house oh, you know, and you don't want it too. They, they, those guys probably got the heater in their helmet. Joe, Joe's working on that. It, he's negotiating that for his new contract <laughs> that's coming up, man. Shoot. He, you know he's come up with all kinds of stuff. All right, enough oh, verbality. Um all right, so we all have Denver winning. We all have LSU winning. Uh, George is the only one that's got the Cajuns winning their regional. Uh, yes, sir. We will see. We will see. Thir uh, Friday on a Thursday. Fun, as always. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Y'all take care. All right, we'll be back to wrap it all up after this final timeout. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. And ShopRite, Tobacco Plus discount outlets. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, well, you just can't shop right at all. By Ducks, cleaning America's air from the inside out. By Eon, the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that helps you lose those unwanted inches in your belly and permanent fat reduction everywhere else. Eon of Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and Mandeville by the Louisiana Lottery. So many games to play, but you can't win until you actually start playing and playing responsibly by DC's Little Capital Exxon. Everything under the sun. Get gas, get food, get snacks, get drinks, and you even get a the best cheeseburger I've ever had in their true soul food deli by Cajun Chef. Ah, do yourself a flavor. Turn up the taste with Cajun Chef hot sauce. Here's three pieces of advice to live by. Never play cards with a guy whose last name is a steak. Don't spit into the wind. And always listen to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, wrapping things up. Did you know that uh, today is not the first time the Denver Nuggets played for a basketball title? On this day back in 
1976, David Skywalker Thompson scored 42. His teammate from Kentucky with Denver, Dan Issel, added 30 points with 20 rebounds for Denver, coached by Larry Brown. But Julius, Dr. J. Irving, and the New York Nets were too much in the last ABA game ever played as Dr. J sliced and diced the Nuggets to a 112-106 win at the Nassau Coliseum in Uniondale, New York, for the ABA title. Then the Nuggets, the Nets, the Spurs, and the Pacers merged with the NBA a month later, and the rest of the NBA of the ABA went by the wayside. Um, thanks to all of our guests. Thanks to you. Thanks to James. Enjoy LSU baseball tomorrow. We'll be back on Monday, God willing. Until then, I'm Jordy Hulpert. Stay thirsty, my friends. Do everything you can to stay healthy. Let's be kind to one another. And by all means, be happy. Up next, Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. So long, everybody. <laughs>